I'm standing up here singing, and if you don't know, my mom, Beth, over here is singing as well. And I love that song, and she loves that song, and I'm trying not to cry right now. How great thou art. He is, he's, he is a good God that we serve, but he is a great God that we serve. Amen. Man. Well, good morning. As Pastor Chris said, I am Vincent. Vincent is me. I am the youth leader here at K. Russo, if you don't know me. Um, and it is a privilege to be here this morning. It is, it is a privilege to get to stand in front of you and, and speak from the Word of God to you. And I pray that it won't be my words that are, that are spoken this morning, but His. Um, so this morning, I'm going to continue us through a sermon series that Pastor Chris has been leading us in called The Struggle is Real. And so we've been looking at a variety of different topics. We've talked about the struggle with pride. We've talked about our struggle with fear. We've even talked about our struggle with church. And this morning, I'd like to talk about a topic of struggle that is very prevalent and, and probably something that all of us experience on a daily basis, and that is the struggle with confusion. We live in a confusing world with a wide variety of sources of information coming at us left and right, and understanding the clear path that we are supposed to walk is not always that clear. It's not always that easy to understand. And so I hope, I pray this morning that God will speak to us through his word and through me and show us a solution. But before we can do that, it's important that we get our hearts and our minds in the right place. So we will spend some time in confession this morning, asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to prepare our hearts and minds. I'm going to read a verse to us out of Colossians chapter 3, and I think Pastor Chris stole my note sheet. don't have it with you? All right. Well, I guess you guys will have to wait on me then to, to turn to some of the scripture. But we're going to look at Colossians 3.2. It'll be on the screens, um, and hopefully I'll be able to find it in here as well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse. We're going we're gonna to take a look at this, and then I'll drop my voice for a few moments. We'll, we'll have some time to pray silently. And then we will uh, pray together and we'll, we'll get into the word, all right? So Colossians 3, chapter, verse 2, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Let's pray. 
Father, God, we come to you this morning confused and about the many things that we struggle with here on earth. But your word tells us to set our minds on things above, that we don't fight battles and wars with the flesh, but that our battle is against spiritual forces of darkness. And so I pray this morning that you would allow us to see that even clearer through your word and through my words. I pray that it wouldn't be my words or my motivations that are spoken this morning, but that it would be yours. Let your will be done in this place. Let us hear from you this morning. We pray these things and we believe in the name of your Son, Jesus, and the salvation that we have through him. Amen. All right. So, everybody focus on me for a second and repeat after me. I'm confused. Really? <laughs> me too. It's funny that you should say that because I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, in all seriousness, though, me too. I'm confused. I wake up in the morning, and if you watch the news for 10 or 15 minutes or scroll through social media, you see a variety of sources of information and conflicting sources of information. And the the longer that you take in that stream of information, the easier it becomes to fall into that deep, deep trap of overwhelming and disorienting confusion. So, first of all, is, is, that, a, is that really a good way to start the day? My, my dad is now motioning towards me, and he has a copy of my notes. <laughs> a, little, a little comedic break for you all this morning. Thank you, sir. The magic disappearing note sheet, everyone. <laughs> all right. So, as we, as we get into the word of Word of God this morning, I, I first want us to think about where we are currently in this, this confusing world that we live in. So, like I said, when, when you wake up in the morning and you look at the news for 10 or 15 minutes or you scroll through your Instagram feed, there's all these different things that you're seeing, all these different, whether it be a report about a current event or just an advertisement for something there's so many different emotional triggers coming at you and it's it's confusing, right? There's so many different things that we have to deal with and process and is that really a good way to start the day? I mean, if you if you want to start your day off right, if you want to have a less confusing day or a less confusing life, why not start your day in the one place that 
is never confusing, that is never changing, that is never conflicting. Start with the Word of God. Start with the author of understanding. When we start our day with the world and the sources of information that the world feeds to us, we are setting in motion a chain of events that leads to nothing but catastrophe. And speaking of catastrophe, I'd like to go through a short list of some examples of things in the world today that might confuse us. Some things that confuse me and that probably you're experiencing some amount of confusion on as well. So, the elephant in the room, COVID-19. I'm not up here to talk politics. I'm not up here to share my opinion with you. But masks, do we wear them? When do we wear them? Where? Vaccines, should we get them? Do they harm us? Do they help us? How much? Who should we trust? Politics, the left versus the right. Who do, we, who do we trust? Who do we side with? Who's telling us the truth? When we watch the news, are they telling us the truth or is it just their opinions? What about where to get a job? I've struggled with that recently. Where do, where do I go to work? Who do I work for? What am I supposed to do with my life in general? I'm only 21. I guess I'm not supposed to have that totally figured out by now. What about going to school? Some of us are still going to school, myself included. All of us have probably gone to school at some point and been taught, I'm assuming, something along the lines of the earth is millions of years old, we evolved from gorillas or chimpanzees or whatever they've decided to use today. And then we come in here and we hear about we we hear we hear some crazy conspiracy theorists tell us the earth is only a few thousand years old and we were made in the image of a divine creator and we didn't evolve over millions of years from apes and and we we look at that person as exactly what i said a crazy conspiracy theorist or a christian i mean the the two kind of go hand in hand nowadays don't they But, like I said, I'm not going to stand up here this morning and talk to you about politics. I have opinions, and I'm happy to share my opinions with you, but this is not the time or the place, because the source of our understanding is not me. It's not Pastor Chris. It's not some televangelist or a, a pastor that you like to watch on YouTube. Our source of understanding is the source of understanding, the one and only Heavenly Father and His Word that we have with us today. So I simply want you to think about those things that are confusing to you this morning. Chew on it a little bit. I mean, think about Christianity. Think about the church. We talked about the struggle with church last week, and we all face those problems whether we want to admit it or not. 
You know, over, over here you've got Christians telling you that you have to be baptized to be saved. And over here you've got Christians telling you, no, it's just an option. Maybe over here you've got a Christian telling you that only men can be a pastor. And over here there's a Christian who says women can be pastors, anybody can be a pastor. What about Christians and homosexuality? There are people who profess to be Christian who say that homosexuality is okay. Heck, a person who is homosexual can also be a pastor in some cases. It's actually right here in Hamilton, believe it or not. That might shock you. Hold on to your seats. What about Christians who call one another out? Calling out other churches, other pastors, other denominations. Who are we supposed to believe? And while all of this is confusing and our heads are swimming right now, it should be reassuring to you. And it's reassuring to me. And this is why. John 14:27 the words of Jesus Peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid So I have a little illustration that I want to do this morning and I have some volunteers up here in the front row if you guys can stand up. So we're going to pretend for a moment that I am that perfect Christian that gets up every morning and reads their Bible and I'm just always meditating on the Word of God. It never leaves my mouth or my thoughts. And so in this cup, I have some marbles. They're all mostly clear. There's a little bit of blue in there. But these marbles represent that clear, defined truth that I have from the Word of God. That is my source of information that I seek every morning. And this is what I've got. This is the truth that I have from it. But then I watch the news. Pastor Chris is the news for the moment. And can you hold up your cup of marbles? So they look pretty similar, and I like them. They, you know, they seem kind of cool. I want some of those too, so go ahead and pour those in there. All right. And then I go to school, and my teacher is telling me about how the earth is millions of years old, and there's all this scientific evidence to support it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds kind of right too. That, that sounds cool. I'll take some of that. And then I go to work, and the people that I'm friends with at work are like, homosexuality is okay, we're all friends, love is love, that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, we should all love one another, right? So I should be okay with that. And so, you guys can sit down now. What I started with is now... It's still in here, but I can't exactly, I can't exactly see it. There's, there's some other marbles in here that 
are getting in the way. I guess you could say I've lost my marbles. So the point there being, those marbles that I started with, the representation of the truth of the Word of God, is the source of understanding when we start our day with it, when we meditate on it constantly. And anything else, all those other marbles in there, if they are opposite to the truth of the Word of God, what are they? Everybody say false. True and false. It's a true and false question, folks. The Word of God is our source of truth and our source of understanding. Anything else corrupts that. And so if we rely on the sources of mankind for information, we're going to lose our marbles in a very, very real sense. The, the exact definition of confusion, believe it or not, while it means to have a lack of understanding or to be without clarity, it can also literally mean a disorderly jumble, which is what the marbles on the floor now are. Or if you throw out some dice and the random numbers that you get, that is confusion, a disorderly jumble. So think about how we got here. We started with just some blue marbles in here. We started with the truth. We started with understanding. And when we let the sources of information from the world come in and tell us what to believe, what to understand, we end up strewn across the floor like all of those marbles now are. Please don't walk up here until I get this cleaned up later. So it's a bit of an oxymoron, but my hope this morning, by looking at what confusion is and now looking at the historical origin of it in the Bible and then the solution, like I said, it's an oxymoron, but I, I hope that we can come to understand confusion a little better. So next on our itinerary, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 11. It'll also be on the screen. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9 of Genesis chapter 11. This is a story that's probably familiar to you. You probably read or heard about it in Sunday school when you were a little kid or something like that. But we're going we're gonna to read this to hopefully understand where confusion ultimately comes from. So beginning in verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city 
and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So as we're reading this for a little context, these events are taking place following the story of Noah's Ark. The great flood wipes out all life on earth except that which God has preserved in the ark. And then as human beings repopulate the earth, they stay together, strength in numbers, right? So they settle in this land and we see in verse 2, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, which is in modern-day Mesopotamia, so around the same place where we were taught in school human beings origi originated. And in verse 4, they say, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. So, a lot of times when, when you read this story or you're told this story about the Tower of Babel, you probably think of a big, tall structure with straight sides like Rapunzel's Tower or something like that, or a, a skyscraper. But it's interesting to me, and I think it's important that we actually understand what this thing that they were building is. Um, the structures that they would build the, the, the technical term, and I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, but they were called ziggurats. Um, if you've seen, like, the step pyramids in Central and South American ancient cultures, the Mayans and Incan cultures, that is, roughly speaking, what they were building. When it, when it says tower... That is what they were building. And those structures were built so that on the top there would be like a little living space, a little house, so to speak. And the idea was that the God of those people, the God that they had created, could come down and stay a little while in that living space. They would feed him, give him water, whatever take care of him, and then he might, because of their worship and their care for him, walk the steps down that pyramid to dwell with the people and to bless them. So this structure that they were building was, was not a structure to worship God. It was a structure to worship themselves and their human constructs, literally. 
their motive is to glorify humans, like God says in verse 6 of Genesis 11. Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And what is his response to that? In verses 7 and 8, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another. And the Lord disperses them from there over the face of all the earth. So I want you to, I want you to read this and I want you to ponder this question with me for a moment. Does God want us to be confused? Because when we read this scripture, it kind of seems like the answer to that would be yes. It says the Lord went down to confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. I don't think that that is the correct answer, but this morning I hope that we can understand why that is not the correct answer. So let's look at some other key texts for us to understand this. Um, you can turn to Proverbs 3 if you'd like. It'll also be on the screen. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. There it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is scripture that we've all probably heard and used at one point or another in our life. It is a very encouraging scripture. But I want to take this and I want to give you a little example. I'm, I'm the kind of person that I can, I can read something like that, but I really have to apply it to, to a, a context in my life. I have to see an example to really help me understand it. And so there's a there's a cool and maybe somewhat embarrassing example of uh, of how we can apply this first that I want to uh, share share with you this morning a, a story to tell. So earlier this summer, I took my family on a day trip down to Red River Gorge down in Kentucky. If any of you have been there, it's a beautiful place. I talk about it all the time, and you're probably tired of hearing me talk about it at this point. But we went down there, it's about a two and a half hour drive, and my parents had not been down there in a long time, and, and I just wanted to share this beautiful place with them, and, and I had a trip planned for us. I had a trail that we were going to hike, and on that trail, there's a, a spot called the Indian Staircase that we were going to climb. And so, basically, this is you, you walk about 200 feet up from the valley floor and then there's an exposed piece of rock that's 100 feet long or so at about a 45 degree angle straight up the side of a cliff. You're totally exposed. You're way up above the treetops. It's pretty scary. It's beautiful, but it's, it's scary. It's called the Indian Staircase because into the, the rock there are hand and footholds that are carved, little cups. So it actually looks like a staircase. And if you are a crazy nut like one of my friends, you can actually just walk up and down the thing. Um, 
but it is still pretty scary. The, the feeling of your life being at risk is very imminent. And so I didn't tell my parents that we were going to do that. We got to the top, to, to make a long story short, and I was still a little bit scared because I thought my mom was going to still push me off the top of the cliff. But I, wanna, I wanted to put a picture up on the screen. You have to understand just how beautiful it is at the top of the staircase. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to. And while the climb up there is very dangerous, the reward is beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. There was a bit of a cliche or a, a, a joke in there, a dad joke, if you got that. So another question that I want you to ponder here, and you can take the image off the screen. Knowing now what they did, knowing now what that climb is like, do you think that I could have got my family to do that if they hadn't, if they, if they had known how dangerous it was going to be, do you think they would have done it? Would you do it, knowing how dangerous it is? I would venture to say most of us probably not, and the ones that say yes are idiots like me. So think about it, think about it like this. Is it, is it better that they were kind of in the dark about the plans that I had for the trip? Because once you get to the top, as much as it's scary for that 100 feet going up there, once you can stand on firm ground, the reward is absolutely worth it. So is it better for us to be in the dark a little bit? That's the picture that I get in my head when I read Solomon's words in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There's another verse that I'd like to look at real quick in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1 of chapter 4. There it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I won't go into another long story with this one, but the point is God should be our only understanding. Human beings in this world, even, even me, even when you break it down, the example of taking my family up the side of that cliff is, is really a poor one because ultimately their trust shouldn't be in me no matter how many times I've climbed that rock, no matter how many times I've gone through various situations in my life or how much research I've done, how much I've gone to school, what the letters after my name are. No human being is worthy of more trust than our Heavenly Father. His word, his, his word is the final authority. 
Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is another verse that we've probably heard a lot, but I think we fail to remember something very important about that. And it's that Scripture, the, the book, the Bible that that comes from, is written by one author. It is inspired divinely by one heavenly author, and that is our Heavenly Father, God, who is also Jesus and who is also the Holy Spirit that resides within you if you have accepted salvation through him. His name is Yahweh, which means I am. It doesn't mean I was or I will be or sometimes I'll hang around when you need me. I am. He is always the authority. Always our final source of understanding. So if you read something in the Old Testament that seems to contradict with the New Testament, it doesn't. I won't go into all the theological explanations for all of that, but there are arguments about that out there today, things that we read in the Old Testament. The Bible is not self-contradictory. Jesus never actually said the word homosexuality, but the Bible clearly says that homosexuality is a sin. The Bible is written by one author, so if Jesus were to disagree with God, or if he were to disagree with the Holy Spirit that resides within you, the universe would split itself apart. The three are one and of one accord and one understanding, and we should be two. There is no self-contradiction in the Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, and that not an iota or a dot, not the little tiny dot at the top of the letter I, is going to pass away from the law until he comes again. The message is concrete, it is unchanging, it is ever-present and consistent. If you want to be free of confusion, friends, the Word of God is the place to go. Don't go watch the news, don't go get on social media. The Word of God is the place to go. Another commonly used verse when we're talking about confusion, is 1 Corinthians 14.33. You can turn there if you'd like, but you've probably heard this before. It says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So, Paul didn't make a mistake when he wrote that, to be clear. God is not a God of confusion, and that answers the question that we posed earlier. Does God want us to be confused? No. Will he use confusion and allow confusion to bring us closer to him? Absolutely. This verse is often taken out of context, and 
it's interesting to me because it actually falls in a passage where Paul is writing about worship in the church. Not just singing, but what we're doing right now, worshiping through the, the reading and the ministry of the word and through prayer. And he's, he's talking about how that time of worship should be, it should be organized, it should be carried out in a, in a responsible and professional manner because God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. It's, it's interesting to me because our enemy, Satan, is also a master of worship. The Bible says that he is an angel of worship. He can sing and play instruments way better than any of you can, no offense. Paul, I believe, mentions these two things together, confusion and worship, because Satan, while he was supposed to be worshiping God the Father, the worship was supposed to be coming out from him and going to God, he wanted the worship to come to him. He wanted to be on the throne. He wanted to be God, not worship him, not be subject to God and his will and his law. And the same thing happens in Genesis 11 when we read the story of the Tower of Babel. The origin of confusion came from misplaced worship. Those people in the city building that tower were worshiping themselves and the gods that they had constructed they were not there to worship their heavenly father. And so he allowed them to be confused and to be dispersed across the earth so that he could bring them back to him. True understanding, friends, is truly and authentically worshiping the one who originated all understanding. That's why Paul talks about worship and confusion and God not being a God of confusion but of peace in the same context. So God does not want us to be confused. There's all these sources of human worldly information out there and he does not want us to place our trust in those things. Now I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't go to school, you shouldn't trust anyone, you, you shouldn't listen to anything that anybody says, and that's, that's also not a sensible manner of living either. God gave us one another as parts of the body of Christ so that we can work together, we can grow together and help each other understand, but ultimately our understanding as a body should be rooted in the head, which is Jesus Christ the living word of God. So I've got one more story that I want to read with you this morning that kind of helps flesh this out a little bit more. And that's in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, if you'd like to turn there. This is another passage of scripture you may be familiar with. This is following the fall of mankind following the sins of Adam and Eve. 
And beginning in verse 22, Moses writes, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So when I read this, I see some parallels with the story of the Tower of Babel. Look at verse 22, where God says, The man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. And look back at Genesis 11, verse 6, where God says, Behold, they are one people, they have all one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. So there is a, there is a clear statement of the problem being us worshiping ourselves, placing the focus on ourselves and not on God. But as we look at the story in Genesis 3, I want to give you a little pop quiz here. When God created the Garden of Eden and he put human beings in the garden, what tree did he tell us that we could not eat from? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Did he say anything about the tree of life? No. The first time that we see him refer to this specifically is here in verses 22 through 24. So when we choose to disobey God and, and place ourselves on the throne, we choose to worship ourselves over him. When, when we made that decision in the garden, he says the man has become like one of us. We are not God. We are not divine. We are not sovereign and omnipotent as he is. But we have become like him in knowing good and evil. We know what is good and we know sin that is evil. And so, because God loves us so much, I really want you to get this because this is such a cool story and, and such a cool teaching from this to me. God loves us so much that when we chose to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil and become like him and we thought, this is great, we are like God, we know good and evil, he took away the tree of life. Because if we had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eaten of the tree of, the no of life, we would live eternally apart from him. We would be eternally separated from him. So instead of letting us live that out, because he loves us so much, he took that away from us. And I want you to get this this morning. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up here. And we're going to go into a time 
of invitation, and I want to leave you with these thoughts. At the Tower of Babel, God took away our understanding. He allowed us to be confused. He took away what we thought was good. We, we had it good. We, we were building this tower. We, we had gods that we had created, and he took it away. He didn't leave us to be eternally confused. He had a greater plan in place. And he provided his word and his living word, Jesus Christ, for us to understand. In the Garden of Eden, he took away our source of eternal life, but he did not leave us eternally lifeless. He had a greater plan in place, and he gave us himself. He gave us life eternal through salvation in Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you are confused about the things that are going on in this world, if you feel like God has taken understanding away from you, if you feel like he's taken anything away from you, we're all going through stuff whether it's simple understanding and it's simply that we're confused when we watch the news or what if he's taken a, a family member away or a job away or an opportunity to, to go to school or, or anything of that nature, a dream that you had and he's taken it away from you. You feel like, God, how could you do this? How could you let this be taken away from me? He always has a greater plan in place and every time he takes something away from you, or allow something to be taken away from you, it's because he has something better to give you in place of that. So this morning, if you don't have that understanding, if you don't feel like you have that eternal life, if you feel like it's been taken from you, come and receive what he has to give you. Come and receive his son, Jesus Christ, in salvation. So as the praise team plays, I invite you to respond. We can all stand and sing together.